and welcome to Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. In these interviews, we'll be exploring employability insights, career advice, educational experiences, life stories and more from a wide variety of people in a wide variety of industries with the ultimate aim of helping you to make decisions about your studies and your career. If you like what you hear, please do rate, review, share and subscribe to this podcast. It's all very much appreciated. So here we go. Let's talk business. Hello everyone and welcome to Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. This is the first in a series of two interviews with the authors of this book, The Start Up Teacher. And firstly, this is not a paid promotion. All right, there's no commission, nothing like that. This is just me wanting to have a chat with the two authors of this book because I think it's really important that we get to grips with who Michelle and Darcy are and why they decided to help other teachers out by creating this absolutely brilliant book here. For teachers like me, who have been doing it for almost a decade and a half, and for new teachers and for people anywhere on their career journey. And I think the best people to tell you about it and what you can get from this book by taking control of your own personal development in the Startup Teacher are the authors. So shall we get started? Let's have a chat to Darcy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Business. We're going stateside yet again here with Darcy. Hello, Darcy. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Danny. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And where are we speaking to you from today? I'm over here in Birmingham, England. And where, where in the world are you? We are in Fargo, North Dakota. Cool. So North, North America up there at the top. Yes. We, when people don't know where I'm from, I just say Southern Canada. <laughs> and that works. Yep, that's basically where I'm at. Brilliant. So here we go then, over with uh, Birmingham, England and Southern Canada um, for a chat about a variety of things here. Uh, we're going to be talking about your book in a little bit. And uh, before we get to that, though, uh, I suppose we're going to find out who you are. So who is Darcy? I'm Darcy Bakigard. I have been a teacher in some way, shape or form. Well, I mean, probably all my life. I nannied all through high school, you know, taught Sunday school. Um, I have a, my background is in theater. And so my undergraduate degree is actually in acting and directing. And I started doing that and working in the educational theater space and wanted to do more. I just really liked working with students. That's kind of was my calling. So I became a teacher and taught high school English and theater in a variety of places. I taught in Wisconsin, I taught in Istanbul, and then in a few different places in North Dakota. So have kind of had a, a taste. I've never taught anywhere very um, like suburban, like very large, if you don't count Istanbul being in one of the biggest cities in the world. So all kinds of things. So that's me teaching. Um, I love doing a lot of things outdoors, a lot of camping and hiking and biking. My husband and I try to make sure we have some sport to do so that we can endure the cold North Dakota winters. Winter feels a lot more fun and a lot shorter if there are things that you enjoy doing. So I'm one of those annoying people who tries to find the positive side of any situation, like the opportunity in things. I'm not always great at it, but my brain for a long time, um, 
I, I tended to get into very negative thought cycles about myself, about situations. And so I've been trying to retrain myself to really focus on those opportunities, those good things. And an opportunity here where we have snow and lots of ice are to do fun snow and ice things like cross-country skiing and snowmobiling. And so we have kind of our outdoor sports and activities that we do year round. I am now a mom to 16 month old triplets. And so my teaching has taken a very different focus the last year and a half. <laughs> Understatement as I've, right there. <laughs> as I've shifted from AP English and things like that, um, advanced placement classes to itsy bitsy spider. Um, but it's equally delightful. And I miss being in the classroom, but cherish this new little classroom that I have in my living room. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, you've got a lot of teaching to do, you know. A lot. <laughs> Three, yeah. I bet you're learning as well. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning a lot about what doesn't work. And I'm learning that, you know, everybody has, it's just, it's a curve. And they understand no, because they will repeat it back to me. But right now we're at the phase of learning that they will stand doing the thing they're not supposed to do and continue doing it while saying, no, 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 no. So there's a lot of learning happening. Fun times in your household, oh my word. It's really so great. I can see why you want to get out and get your family ready to rock and roll and burn those, you know, yeah. burn that energy up. I, I can see you in a few years, you know, with a fire on and go, no, we're going out. Um, yep, <laughs> no, go out, dig a hole. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> love it. Love it. Fantastic. So uh, with those fun times ahead, then, um, I mean, let's stick to the past just a little bit here. Then. So uh, have you followed the career path when you if we go back to high school a bit? Have you followed a career path that you thought you would that you had kind of planned out for yourself there? Um, you know, was this done on the cards when you were 16 years old? Uh, <laughs> you know, what's this route that you took? <laughs> no. I think the beauty in life is there were so many twists and turns in my life that were not like what I had envisioned. You know, growing up, um, I'm from a small state. I'm from a large family in small rural communities, a lot of farmers in my family. A lot of people get married right out of college, if not before they graduate college. Um, you know, both my sisters were married when they were 20 and 21 years old. Um, and so I just kind of assumed that by the time I was 25, I would have a career, have a house, like have a husband, be having kids. And um, all of those things happened, but I'm in my early 40s <laughs> and they're kind of coming into shape now. And so I thought I was going to be a teacher like my whole childhood yeah. and then fell in love with theater and started doing theater and got my degree in acting and directing and really wanted to pursue that passion and I think that's important I really struggled with balancing this is something I'm passionate about but is that practical and I ended up following that passion and I don't regret it because the skills that I've learned in theater are oddly have been actually my more applicable skills like for my whole life. And so I'm I'm very pleased with that background, but it did mean that my trajectory was very different. I started working in theater, I started um, auditioning and doing some shows, but the life of an actor is you you work all day to pay the bills and then you're still doing things in the evening. So it was not what I wanted. I wanted more stability 
in my life. I'm just that type of person and wanted to get into education, which had been kind of my original path. So went back, got an English degree and uh, an education certificate and my master's in secondary English education. So that shifted my career. And so that was, I didn't become a teacher until my late 20s. And so kind of had a career for several years, um, doing various things in the theater world and then shifted. Um, And then teaching, I taught a lot of different things. Istanbul was not in the cards originally because I was teaching in Wisconsin and loved it and was I'll, I'll be a little frank since we're talking about life. I was in a relationship and, you know, like we had been together for a long time, had a home together in Wisconsin, and then that relationship didn't work out. And so I was in my early 30s and found myself in this place where all of these things that I thought were decided and kind of moving in one direction just totally exploded is the only way to say it. And so I moved back to Fargo to kind of just regroup, kind of be close to my family. But in moving back to Fargo, I made that decision. Well, this is, I I thought by the time I was in my early 20s, mid 20s, and certainly by my early 30s, that I would have all of these stereotypical things in my life. And I don't. So what else do I always, have I always wanted to do? I studied abroad in college for a semester. I lived in London, so got to visit some of your Mm -hmm. neck of the woods a bit and loved that experience. You know, I grew up in a large town in North Dakota of 8,000 people, and it's a larger town, you know, and Fargo, our largest city, is about 200,000 people, and our whole state which is fairly large, is about 600,000 people. So it's totally different to come That's incomparable, isn't it? To compare that to London and Istanbul, that's not even a comparison. There's nothing to compare. So, right, doing high school activities, sports and things, it's very common in my state to drive two, three hours to go play a basketball, to get to another team, to go play a basketball game, and then come home. Well, you drive two, three hours in England. <laughs> you can you're go in Scotland, all kinds yeah. of like, right, you Scotland can go to, or France. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're in different countries at that point. And so it's just a very different speed and environment of life. So I was like, well, what else do I want to do? And so I went to an international teaching fair, which if that is something, if you have people who are interested in being educators. Mm-hmm. And originally I kind of thought, well, it would be really great. I loved living in living in London and being in England. It would be great to go somewhere like that. I speak the language. It would mm-hmm. just be, always you know, helps. always helps. <laughs> and I went to this international teaching fair and I, in it's a two day thing. You just, you set up interviews. I had eight job interviews in the course oh. of four hours. I had five job offer, offers by the following morning and by noon, So the conference started at noon one day. By noon the next day, I was signing a contract to go teach in Istanbul for two years. So it's very, very fast. Um, And Istanbul was not on my list, but it was teaching all theater. I was the director of theater there 
Right. So it was this kind of full circle thing where I love teaching English. I really do. Um, but if I had my choice, I would teach theater all the time. It's, it's what I'm passionate about. And so I got to move to Istanbul to direct plays and teach theater courses to those students. Um, and it was remarkable. And then life, you know, just life again. Yeah. Um, I was... <laughs> yep, life happens. life happens. I did. I, I did my two years. I had started dating someone here in North Dakota um, before I moved, and we had both just agreed, like, "Well, I'm leaving. Like, this is this was what it was," and we just kept seeing each other. Like, he would travel, and like we just kept meeting. So we got to meet. I got to travel all over the world, mm-hmm. and just meet him. And then we had to make a decision, and so I moved back to Fargo so that we could be together and now 10 years later we're still eight years later I think 10 11 years counts those that those years I was in Istanbul we're together and I have all those things I have the home I have the career I have my husband I have triplets but it was a very circuitous path to get to that and I taught um and um left the classroom to go do professional development And that's how I found Michelle. She and I met through some work um, with various conferences and clicked, had a lot of similar philosophies. And then she and I ended up writing a book together. So life just takes you on all of these different, all of these different paths. And I always feel like I'm sounding so cliche because my students would ask me questions and I would say, I know that this is just like the most adult cliche things to say. But life has a way of just working out. It's going to be different than you expected. And there are going to be patches um, that are really hard. You know, there were times where I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to pay bills. Um, In my early 30s, I moved back in with my dad because I was suddenly single and just, you know, like wasn't sure what I was going to do and decided to save up money. You know, like all of these things that were really hard for me to do as an independent adult but you get through those stretches and those stretches always come up of those challenges Um, but in all of those challenges there's a different opportunity and I wouldn't ultimately I'm so grateful that that relationship that I thought was my relationship for the rest of my life I'm so grateful that that did end as painful and as awful as that year was for me, I'm so grateful because none of, none of these other things would have happened. I never would have moved to Istanbul. I never would have traveled all over the world. I, I wouldn't be here. I would never have met Michelle and written this book. There's just all of these things that um, as you're thinking about your future, don't worry about having everything figured out. I taught juniors and seniors and I saw the stress every spring of you know, going to university and having, you know, applications and all of this stuff. And it's really scary. Yeah. Uh, and like, you're, it's right to be scared and nervous. I'm scared yeah, and nervous yeah. all the time. Oh, same. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, I, I never, you know, I never tire of hearing these stories that go against the grain of pick, pick something at high school or, or senior school, secondary school, where we are, then pick something at college then pick something at university, then do that forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then tick all those boxes and then by the time you're 25, 30, you should be A, you should be B. Um, and I think I've spoke to, of all the people I've spoke to, 
Um, there's about two who have followed that path <laughs> and, and at 16 have said, I'm doing this and are still doing it at, say, 40, 45. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not one of them. You're not one of them, uh, no. <laughs> you know, because it, it, it's rare. It's so rare. That yeah, that I have I of my siblings, I guess two of my siblings did like my one sister always wanted to be a nurse and she's still in nursing, but in a very different capacity than mm-hmm. she was. And I have one brother. He's one of the only people that I know in early on in high school. He wanted to be a civil engineer. He became a civil engineer and he is still a civil engineer. And he is, you know, like, <laughs> but that's, that works for him. And that's what he, he wanted. And he's also found different ways to expand his horizons in that field too. But yeah, it's so rare. What I'm sure you're more up on this. It changes every year because there's so much, you know, fluctuation. But I've heard that A, like 50% of the careers that young people today are going to have don't even exist yet. Yeah, there's a variety of it, it depends. It, statistics. Yeah. I've heard it twenty yeah. percent. I've heard thirty yeah. percent. It, it, it depends which website you read, but that is true. You know, and I, you know, us as teachers are in that really difficult job. I was chatting to a social media manager the other day, and I was saying that ten years ago, if I'd said to a student, "You could be a social media manager," they would go, "No, I can't." Doesn't exist because yeah. I'm, nobody's going to pay me to write somebody's Instagram posts. Nobody's going to pay right. me to write a Facebook post. Um, but that is a valid. Uh, well-earning uh, you know good reputation kind of job and and who knows yeah. you know in 10 years well I'll, I'll be standing in a classroom and going well today you could be a um because, you know it's so it's difficult right all of these things that are happening of people are turning um looking for food deserts and they're turning warehouses into vertical um farming oh. spaces in cities I mean like just all of these things that <laughs> were not things that we thought of like you said five ten years ago let alone 15 20 years ago um when so much of education you know the structures were set in place yeah, yeah. and even stuff that's not necessarily new i mean in birmingham where we are we've got things like tram construction so decades and decades ago we used to have trams we took them out for cars and now we put them back in because guess what cars aren't going to be fired. So, you know, tram construction, tram design, operating them, maintaining them, servicing right. them, the tech for them. Again, 10 years ago, some people said, well, you're not going to do that. Um, you know, we've got e-scooters that you can hire. But that's a job. If I said, oh, well, something needs to design, but we need to do the GPS, we need to do payment systems. No. Um, but now it's it's just a common, you can pick them up literally two minutes outside our college. Uh, <laughs> you know, so these jobs are just Right, let going. alone design yeah, let alone design the app that allows people to find out where those scooters yeah. are. Yeah. Of, it's, know, oh, so it's that they can easily see on their mobile. It's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. it's just I, crazy. I mean, I can see then why you need a book. So here we go with this. In case you thought I was joking on Twitter, I've literally brought, and I've got post-its, which aren't <laughs> even set up just for the effect of this. Now, you'll have to trust me on that. But, uh, you, you know, you said at the start, you say at the start of a book, you don't have to read it all the way through to cover, cover to cover. So I'm not. I'm picking bits and bobs out. Um, so what is this? I mean, I could give Good my for opinion, you. but you wrote it. So... <laughs> What what is this? What's it all about? It's about the frustration from me that professional development um, always felt like something. So as teachers, we're required to continue to go to training, which I think is great. As a, I want to keep learning, 
but a lot of it was stuff that we didn't have a choice over. A lot of it is kind of a, go into the auditorium with all of the teachers in the whole high school or the whole school district and listen to a speaker tell you things. Mm-hmm. It was frequently a lot of professional development still is delivered in the way that we as teachers are told not to teach. And so it's one person standing in front of three to 300 to 3000 people just lecturing, which we're told over and over, that's not how you should teach. It needs to be all of these things. And so this is really born out of wanting to do something different. And to your point, this whole thing that we're talking about of how do we prepare students with the knowledge that they need to do these jobs that we don't even know what those jobs are. So the reality is there's no way that we as teachers, this is just my opinion, there's no way that I can truly prepare kids with the knowledge, with the, the facts and figures that they're going to need to do most jobs today. And historically, that was the job of high school and college, right? That we're building that foundation so that you have the knowledge in order to do what comes next. Well, now it really needs to be about just these skills, right? There's all this talk about the 21st century learning skills, all of these buzzwords in education. And there's just not that same emphasis for teachers in terms of how we train teachers. So there are all of these things that teachers are being asked to do. And there's all of this excitement, rightfully so, about we need to innovate. We need to change education. We can't just be delivering content. It can't be about knowledge. It needs to be about all these other things. Yet, we haven't innovated how we provide professional development for teachers. So I wanted, and when I transitioned from the classroom to designing professional development, I wanted as much as possible to give teachers time and credit for creating things they were actually going to use in the classroom. Because I found the best PD when I really got inspired and fired up and was just excited about whatever it was. I didn't have the time to actually do anything with those ideas. Like the next day I was back in my classroom. So it was kind of like hit or miss of how much of that actually made it into my teaching practice. So why wouldn't we give teachers the time and the support to actually create things for their classroom? And it was about in that time that I met Michelle and she was doing a lot. She knows way more about the startup world and kind of social entrepreneurship. And she was talking about all these ideas and she kept talking about how she had always wanted to write a book about this. And I thought she was kidding and talking to me. And then as we kept talking about it, it just made sense. I was working on giving teachers continuing education credit for designing lesson plans why couldn't we just add this little bit of support structure that asks teachers questions to help them think through, all right, this isn't working in my classroom, or I want to do this new thing. Like, how can I problem solve to design a solution? And it really worked in well with my philosophy, my personal philosophy of how do I find the possibility in this problem? How do I find the opportunity here in something's not going well and not working quite right in my classroom? So how do I fix it? How do I find a possibility in this? And through all of that, 
the book was born and like went through a lot of iterations and a lot of time. I was working furiously in the hospital until they started prepping me to deliver my oh triplets my <laughs> and then spent a lot of time between um, feeding them late in the night when they were, you know, much a year ago, late in the night, writing and working. Um, so, I mean, my dream would be twofold that this a helps develop a new mindset for teachers even when teachers are being trained so that they get this mindset which ultimately is the mindset that we're saying we want teachers to model for students but we never train teachers in that mindset and we don't nurture that mindset in teachers yeah. so there's this weird thing like right it's really hard to teach something that you don't know yeah. um and haven't experienced. So I, I hope that that happens, that we're training yeah. teachers and cultivating this mindset. But A, I also want to give teachers the opportunity to work on what matters to them. Yeah. I became a teacher because I love helping young students discover their passions. And I love just experiencing that transition and that all of those thought bubbles yeah. and all of yeah. that understanding happening. And, um, I didn't go into teaching to do standardized tests. I didn't go into teaching to fill out paperwork. I have like some of those challenges. So I hope that this allows teachers to get back to some of that purpose that drove them into teaching, that called them into teaching in the first place um, so that they can rekindle that spark yeah, if it I, has yeah, weakened yeah. a little bit. It's, it's funny how you say that. I mean, it's such an interesting profession, but we are around about, six seven thousand miles away um and it's like you were reading a script from my head there where you were <laughs> saying some of those things and i think all teachers have we've walked into that big lecture hall and been told how to do something and gone uh you know or the irony being that you get told how to do small group work um while you're sitting there a group of 200 of you being told how to do uh, anyway um i'm sure you get the gist of that you know and, and, and that's something that kind of got me interested in the book one chatting to you and michelle on twitter um but also you know the startup teacher um and i, I understand the premise of that a bit now so this is i mean a bit of background on me this is year 15 for me now in teaching um i've kind of been there and done that and i still enjoy it you know it's a very challenging mm -hmm. job I'm, I, i'd like to find a teacher who doesn't say that um but it was to try and kind of get that little bit of a spark and a fire going. And, and yours is one of the few things I've read that actually take into account that you've still got um, a mandate of what to teach. So, mm -hmm. I mean, in your, you know, to use your terminology, it's what the district tell you you've got to teach. We have our nat uh, national curriculum mm -hmm. and our exam boards that say you will do this and that. Um, and, and it is hard. And a lot of things are either completely kind of wishy-washy, do all this fancy stuff, do all these uh, fun activities. Uh, but they forget the fact that you've actually still got to teach stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, which uh, which your book seems right. to kind of go in with. Um, I wanted to pick one or two things out. I'm not going to ask you to quote what's on page 42 or something to see how much you know it. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, but it was the one on page, if anybody's reading it, page 36, where you're talking about... Um, uh, let's have a look. Not only uh, are we not given time to solve the smaller problems relevant to ourselves, to our students, it feels like we never get to address the issues that really matter. And many of our kids are carrying invisible backpacks stuffed, um, stuffed some to overflowing with. And then all the issues that students have, um, yeah. you know, and the problems that they have that, again, are talked about 
but how do we deal with those things? And you talk about things like building good character, high quality of life, gainful employment purpose. And then this last one, joy, um, because there's some research that says you don't have to enjoy learning. You, uh, not so much exciting, I don't think is the right word. Mm-hmm. Not every lesson has to be like massively exciting, Correct. like you're watching a, a Vikings or a 49ers game. Uh, <laughs> look at that one. Um, but certainly joy, you have to want to do it. Um, and that's something that, just gets kind of added on as a make sure the kids are enjoying it or make sure they're learning something um and then it kind of goes disappears out the wayside you know is that is that some of the things what you've experienced it sounds like it might be (laughs) i think yes in part because like there are so many things in what you said that all resonate and click that we have these things we're required to teach but then like you said we're told and then like make it relevant and fun some of these things are really hard. Like when you have these things that you have to teach that are not skills, that are specific content. Um, This last school I taught at, and please take this with a grain of salt. I love these works, but for the average American high schooler today, reading Canterbury Tales and Beowulf is not super relevant and is really hard to make fun. I love Beowulf and it's great, but jazzing that up is and let alone we talk a lot about differentiation right of meeting kids at different skill levels so I'll have a classroom where in one classroom my grade my my seniors I will have kids who are reading at a fifth grade level and I will have kids who are reading at a college level well that's a huge difference in one classroom to say well we're all going to read the same text. We're all going to read Beowulf, which is kind of hard to read anyway, even if you're a great reader. Um, So how do you make that joy? And I think sometimes what happens, and I was a tech integration coach, so I, I love education technology, and I think it's great. But sometimes I think we miss that something that's flashy and fun is not necessarily, it's not sparking the same joy and authentic curiosity for learning. And so maybe even a better word for me is like that curiosity. And curiosity, I think, leads to joy because there's then that joy of discovery and the joy of finishing something that was hard and the joy of accomplishing and creating and all of those things. Um, So sometimes I think the flash of something fun um, actually makes it harder for us to cultivate that true joy of learning and that true curiosity. And that joy of learning is what ultimately is going to keep and carry people through life. Like, right. Even if you explore 10 different careers, it's your curiosity and interest in doing those things that is going to keep you exploring. And some of that is going to keep, you're going to keep exploring in order to find that, Like, right, you're going to discover that it's not there and it's not there every day in anything. Like, I love teaching, but there were days where I would end going like, I can't, this is just too hard, but I love it at the same time. So, yeah, there were a lot. And and like you said, then these huge, huge issues like homelessness and kids who are coming to school hungry and kids who are dealing, you know, I remember distinctly one day when a girl came to second period, which was at 840 in the morning, and 
um, she walked in the room and I could see that she had been crying and I took her in the hallway and just said, you know, Hey, like what's going on. And she was like, well, I just found out that I was pregnant, that I'm pregnant and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was like, I think that English is not your priority right now. <laughs> like, I, think so. I think that we need to focus. So, right. Like until we take care of some of these huge real world problems, there's a 16 year old standing in front of me who just found out she was pregnant. That is a huge invisible backpack that she confided in me so I could see that problem. Um, but how many kids do that? I think kids are carrying around a lot oh, yeah. that they don't tell us about. And they're protecting themselves. They're protecting us. They're doing what kind of we in society tell them to do. Um, but it's really hard to learn and to cultivate that joy of learning and that curiosity when you're not sure where your next meal is going to come from, or you're not sure, you know, like all of these invisible problems. So it's very rare that teachers, the people who are the front line of defense, like we're the people who see these kids, there were particularly my theater students. I know that in the course of weeks during shows, I saw those students more than their parents did. And so if there was something going on in that kid's life, I was probably seeing them more than the, the other adults in their life. So how do we help address some of these big systemic problems that teachers are not trained in addressing? But man, we have the heart and the passion and yeah. we care about those people. Yeah. And I, if I, we, yeah. Yeah, so sorry, I was just going to say, I mean, that's that story you've just um, told there. That's obviously a big credit to you that that student would tell you, you know. I mean, oh, thank you. That's you know, kind granted, of you, you know, oh, you're just an English teacher. Um, you know, this belief that you are just a teacher is um, <laughs> is a bit bizarre. And, and I have heard people moaning um, that, oh, I'm a teacher. Now I've got to be a social worker. Now I've got to be a healthcare worker. Now I've got to be a first aider. Now I've got to be security. Now I've got to be a therapist. Now I've got to be a counsellor. Mm. And, and I get that, that, you know, it's hard to do 10 different jobs. But also as a teacher, okay, yeah, they've got to learn stuff. All right. They've got to pass tests. I, I get that. Mm -hmm. You know, I know what pays my mortgage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not, not going to make, you know, any, any kind of lies about that. But also the role of a teacher and anybody getting into the profession has to understand that it's a lot more than standing there and telling kids what to write down. Um, you know, and again, we're 7,000 miles away and we're both, so you know, it's the, it's the same kind of situation. And we hear that all the time, just a teacher. And I hate that, mm -hmm. but unfortunately I have also felt that. And I have thought that sometimes of like, well, I'm just a teacher, yeah, I've, you know, like charge. all of these things it's, and, and so that's very, very hard. And, but you're right. Like ultimately I came into this cause I wanted to make a difference. So like, I kind of knew that there were going to be things. I love English. I love theater. And so I do, I'm really passionate about my content. Um, and I think my first, that's maybe the biggest, you were talking about history, like ver now versus then. Mm -hmm. In terms of my teaching philosophy, um, my content was way more important to me my first three years as a teacher than it is now. My last three years in the classroom, I still was very passionate about my content. I still taught all of those things. I still tried to make them as interesting and engaging as possible. Um, but my relationships with my students and what was going on and trying to just address the skills and the reality of the world 
right here and now, um, became more and more central to my teaching philosophy the longer that I was teaching in terms of like, all right, if I teach you how to think about things, that's going to ultimately help you more on tests Mm -hmm. than teaching you these specific things. Um, And that kind of goes back to all of those things that you were talking about of what we have to do. And it is hard. It's super stressful right now after the pandemic. um, One study I just read, uh, a survey of teachers showed that 27% of teachers were contemplating leaving teaching after the pandemic, which would be a huge crisis, obviously, because we already in the United States have a teaching shortage. Mm -hmm. And so to have a glut of teachers leaving the field. um, So how, where does that start? There's a chicken and egg problem here, Mm -hmm. Danny, of like, where does it start with how do we increase so that we don't view teaching as a profession that's just teaching like how do we elevate it Mm -hmm. to that kind of critical service that it is um but what comes you know does the respect in that that come first or does does it fall back again on yet another thing that we as teachers have to do of reclaiming our profession and reclaiming um what it means to be a teacher. We talk about that in the book that we yeah. say like the term of teacher is so antiquated and people think they know it te- because people sit in a classroom. And I love that you're doing this for your students. Just because you sit in this classroom with this teacher every day for a year or more, um, I'm sorry, you don't know what a teacher does. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, like there were days where I would create this thing where my students were exploring different stations, right? So if you walked into my classroom, it would look like I was doing nothing because I was standing to the side and students were like talking and they were figuring things out. That one 50 minute lesson probably took me four to five hours to design and, and prepare and like get ready, if not longer. Hmm. And because I want, you know, like, cause we're trying to create all of those things that you talked about, like, how do we yeah. teach them the content with spark joy and like make yeah. it interesting. And um, yeah, so we, we recommend the term learning designer of yeah. a, a teacher just conjures one image of yeah. a person in a skirt, usually yeah. a woman in front of a classroom and yeah. writing on a chalkboard. Yeah. And that's just not what a teacher does. Yeah, hit the hit the Hollywood stereotype, and yep. uh, students write down and learn stuff while teacher talks. And those are the easiest lessons to plan. Where I think, all oh, right, today we're doing this. All oh, right, I could talk about that. I learned that at uni. I've done it every year. Mm-hmm. That's fourteen. You know, just give me. I can't cut it down to one hour. I can just talk for hours. But the one you're right. The ones that really get students thinking and doing, um, mm-hmm. those are the tricky ones because there's also a. Um, there's that level of trust and the confidence and, oh my gosh, what if I don't do this? What if I don't do this? You know, <laughs> um, but right. nine times out of 10, they will because they want to, you know, and it's something different for them. And um, so that's really exciting to hear that, you know, you do things like that and your students get stuck into them. Um, and it leads on to my next point about uh, teachers as leaders. So, you know, mm. there's this idea that a leader is above you in the workplace and getting, <laughs> right. getting paid more than you and mm-hmm. making decisions for you that will affect you. Um, but, you know, some of your book um, talks about that you are the leader in the classroom and that's where your mm-hmm. leadership skills come in. And, and maybe we as teachers take that for granted. 
Um, do you think that's something we don't even realize we're doing or do we need to kind of step back and say, let's be proud of this, let's build it and develop it to develop ourselves and our students? I think both. I think it would be weird to think that we don't realize we're leading the classroom, but we don't call it that. And so often in education circles, if you talk about school leadership, if you talk about the leadership, it's synonymous with administration, with principals and superintendents and and headmasters, whatever that hierarchy, like you said, the person above you. And I do think that there needs to be even more concerted effort to recognize that teachers are leaders and they should be part of leadership conversations. That's really hard because to your earlier point, teachers are already being asked to be nurses and first aid (laughs) people and counselors, like, right? And so like one more for the list of like one more thing. Well, now we want teachers to be involved in leadership decisions. And there is a reason why those people are paid more because of some of the hard decisions that they have to make. And they work more of the year. I mean, like, it's just a different job yeah it's a different job yeah but I think yeah and so I but I think that to your question I do think the first step is us as teachers saying yes I am a leader and when we put on that hat of a leader and say that this is part this is one of my teacher hats that I'm a leader I think it gears your brain up in a different way to tackle challenges, to think about leading the classroom experience rather than just, you know, conducting. I know that a a conductor is a leader too. And so that's not a great analogy. Like that was just the first thing that came to my head, but you know, um, but you know, like if you're the person who's charting the course and leading, but you want everyone to come with you, well, that's a different, that's a different thing than if you are just, you know, up there talking to the world and hoping that people are listening. But if you're leading your classroom, I think it implies that you're more with the students on that educational journey and you're leading them through it. Yeah. Um, so that I think is the start. And then as we expand from there, then it gears you up that, yeah, as a teacher, you have the right to talk to people in the community to see if they can help, um, to do things like you're doing, to reach out to other professions and other professionals in order to cultivate resources for your students, that you can lead and model those things for your students. Um, But I do think that that first step for me is that we put on that hat and we adopt that hat. And then hopefully other people see that and more teachers are in the conversation, more teachers are in the room, more teachers are at least asked, what should we be doing in this yeah. situation? Yeah, and, and teachers as role models is a really interesting point here. Um, I mean, I'm going to ask you one more question about the book and then one more, and then we'll kind of wrap things up here as, as time goes on. And I'm looking at the clock and it's 39 minutes, which is, uh, thank you for your time on <laughs> how busy you are. Um, but how are you for time? I'm fine. Yeah. Like I I ended up grandparents are here. And so I'm, I'm okay. 
Awesome. So say thank you yeah. to them. For me. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the advice, are, you know, some of the things I give to, to young teachers, because I'm now in that position now, I always think I'm the new teacher and the cool teacher. And right. when I started, I was close to the student's age. And now I'm like yep. a 41 year old guy. So, yeah, <laughs> don't, don't please don't start your TikTok. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> it's things like that now. But we have new teachers come in and I've helped to mentor um, newly qualified teachers and trainees. And, mm -hmm. and some of the things I've always said one in terms of a role model what you do they will do um mm -hmm. and i was reading a thing the other day um might have been in your book actually <laughs> about just saying hello to students in corridors um teaches them how to be an adult in the workplace and that's one of the things i'm doing with this like you will have to speak to people on zoom it's going to happen you know maybe a year <laughs> or so ago uh, but you are going to have to do this you know so i'm yeah. trying to kind of represent that um but also you know just simple things like just say hello say good morning you know as you mm -hmm. walk past people in the corridor because that's what happens in a workplace um but another thing that i've always told young teachers and one of the chapters in your book which i kind of jumped to was the mental health section um mm. and looking after yourself and in my first few years of teaching, which led to burnout after about three years, and I left the profession, came back in. That's not a rare thing, unfortunately. Um, right. I remember there was only ever one person who said, look after yourself. Um, and I'm still friends mm. with him to that day, um, to this day, excuse me. So, uh, you know, he was the only person who ever said, look after yourself. I mean, everything else will kind of, you know, just kind mm. of come. Um, I mean, what's the deal with mental health and teaching? You know, you've wrote a whole chapter on it. Um, how many right. other industries are having books about how to be um, an accountant or a theme park uh, <laughs> attendant or something? I mean, oh, but here's a big chapter on mental health. You know, and that's what I tell yeah. yeah, and burnout. I mean, that's what I tell mm -hmm. younger teachers. Is that one of your main messages for, for new starters? Or It is in a roundabout way, because one of the yeah. things that I, my line to new teachers has become, the fact that you care so much about getting it right ultimately matters more to students than actually getting it right. Um, like the fact that you care yeah. is ultimately what they need because sitting in their classroom, like I think back on my first year teaching and I'm like, oh my God, like those poor students like missed out on like so much, you know, like, yep. oh my God, I'm shocked that I didn't ruin them, right? Because the reality is you doing your best work, like tr you trying and you caring is going to correspond, like they're going to see that. And so I think part of that then though is caring for yourself because like so that's kind of what I'm saying don't get so caught up in every single nitty-gritty detail and like having to get everything just right and all of those things because the fact that you care that much is great but that's gonna burn you out the fact that you care that much matters more than getting it right so don't burn yourself out care that much what can you ditch? What can you offload? What can you tap into? Like what resources? And the self-care for us is partially if you want to be a change maker in education, another hat. But if part of what you got into education was to try to make a difference, you might feel this desire to be doing more. And I, I literally just had this conversation with my husband three nights ago um, that I was like, I just don't feel like I'm doing enough. Like, I don't feel like I'm, you know, like, and he was like, you have 
three children at home. You yeah. just wrote a book. And you're trying, but he was like, how can you feel like you're not, and he was like, how can you feel like you're not doing enough? And I was like, because I'm like, I'm not like helping solve problems. Like I'm not doing anything. And he was like, I don't understand. (laughs) So I'm not saying this is easy because here I am. I literally wrote this chapter and I'm still feeling this stuff, but we found that again, you go back and you do some of those mental things. You get through that. Because as there's that old saying, if you don't take care of you, you can't take care of them. And I think like for teachers and nurses, I think jobs that have high interaction with other people, I do think that that is a challenge and a problem. But you can't take care of other people if you haven't started by taking care of yourself. And we literally say in there, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating? Are you like, right? Are you doing those things? I can't count the number of days in my teaching schedule where I would stop at the end of the day and go, did I eat today? Mm-hmm. When was the last time I went to the bathroom? Yep, the I mean, like, like these basic, <laughs> yeah, like these yeah. basic human functions of like, yep. I don't know if I have gone to the restroom since seven o'clock this morning and it is now 5 p.m. Like, I don't, I don't remember and yeah. I don't know if I have. Yeah. And so if you're, but that's not sustainable. Like you said, that's going to drive people out and we know it's driving people out. And so A, how can we as teachers do this? And then obviously there is a greater challenge to those people who wear those leadership hats Mm -hmm. in the administration capacity to continue to design solutions that make teaching more realistic, like make it so that it's not that crazy of whether it's reducing, you know, teachers when I was teaching in Istanbul, our max teaching load was 20 contact hours a week with students. And in the United States, I was thinking about my schedule. Um, My contact hours with kids was more like 25, 26. Well, that's almost a whole day in terms of a whole workday difference. And that time alone is amazing. And so finding whatever, and maybe that's part of why we cultivated when I spoke at the beginning of our outdoor sports. Um, and my husband is, is a physician. And so he faces some of that burnout too, of, of patients and the stress of, of being in the medical field. And this last year with COVID has been an extra challenge on him and on our family. And, um, so I think that's part of why we do what we do. and going for bike rides is really important to both of us and sometimes the healthiest thing you can do they say that too about testing right the best way you can prepare for a standardized test sleep (laughs) get a good night's sleep right and eat a good breakfast like those are statistically two of the best things that you can do i I used to say that to students yeah when when we used to do exam i haven't done an exam course for a while and i'd say like the week leading up to it you need to sleep and you need to eat who here has breakfast not one hand I know. Really? Like, how are you going to concentrate for two hours if you don't have any fuel in your body? Oh, God, but you're a business teacher. I'm like, yeah, but I know what human beings are, you know? Right. <laughs> if it's so simple. But it's also not that easy for students who don't live that lifestyle, you know? Right. Well, and we just, 
And if you're up until two, three in the morning trying to study and trying to cram and trying to do all these things, and so you wake up at the last minute so that you can rush to restart your day, how are you ever going to do that? And insert being a teacher. I mean, I remember one that year that I was living with my dad, there was one morning where he came and knocked on my door and he went, um, you're usually long gone by now. Like, do you have school today? And I was like, oh my God, you know, and I was like... I mean, I flew, I mean, like all of these things. And I was walking into the school, but I had been up late the night before yeah. grading papers. I hadn't gone to bed until probably 2 a.m. And, you know, my school teaching day started at 7.15. Yeah. That is just not sustainable. It's, it's not, uh, and it's not. it's not sustainable. So part of that self-care is very much out of what did I need to hear what do I still need to hear? There are pieces of that book. I'm going through it. I'm designing a summer course for teachers, a 30-day, well, a personalized PD challenge mm-hmm. where I'm, I'm kind of breaking down the process, kind of like an exercise challenge of like, we're just going to do like 15 to 30 minutes a day. And we're just going to problem solve like one little step at a time. Mm-hmm. And as I'm going through creating the activities for teachers, so I'm getting to do a little bit of teaching. Um, I'm looking at some of these going, this would be really hard for me to do. Like I created this activity, (laughs) but if I like this, this would be a challenge because I don't, I need to nurture some of my confidence because I don't, I don't have it. Like I don't know, you know, and it's so hard. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And, and, you know, take, you take care of yourself and then you can take mm-hmm. care of others. And I've stopped mm-hmm. apologizing lately for saying, this sounds cheesy before I say things um, <laughs> because, okay, that does sound cheesy, but it is so true. And I feel like I, I, sure. I learned that, you know, I was told that years ago and I feel like I learned that every couple of weeks in teaching, you know, I, I have to revisit it. You know, I need to print it somewhere or have it on a phone screensaver or something. You but, should just make your students like tape it to their heads. Yeah. Yeah. You we know, should so start you... the lessons with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell, tell so me that what I need to know. As you, yeah. As you look out on their faces, like there's a little yeah. index card or post it yeah. on everybody's forehead telling you take care of yourself. That's take it. Care but they could have like a letter each, and I have to sit. In yeah, the yeah, and then and then like, yeah. oh, okay, oh, you're right. I, I need yeah. to take care of myself. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then maybe they would, you know. Then we're role models again. So. Maybe right. <laughs> you know. And it's so hard. Like this year, where we're losing, there are so many pieces of that. Like human contact. We are a social creature. Yeah. You talk about like you're a business teacher, but there are things you just know, like you need energy. We're also even people who are very introverted and I'm very introverted, but I need conversations like this, even though this is Zoom and it's not quite the same. It's better than nothing um, because this does rekindle my fire. This does make me feel I'm doing a little something like, oh, like I am contributing to something like, right. And we, we need that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank you for contributing and and thank you for the book. Um, You know, even as a, one more time, even as a teacher of, uh, you know, 15 years, I am not on commission by the way. All right. If anybody's thinking, (laughs) wow, maybe it's like $5 every time you hold it up. No. Um, we can talk about that afterwards. But, oh, yeah, um, sure. Like, yeah. I now I'm going to owe you all this money. Yeah, yeah. see, business teacher. Um, but, you know, <laughs> as, a, as a teacher of 15 years, I'm going, oh, my gosh, well, how did I forget that, you know? <laughs> and, and I'm sure new teachers would probably sure. read it and go, 
oh, I'll try that, you know, and, and that's why that's that kind of mm-hmm. kind of training and literacy and, and advice is rare, I think, in teaching, but everybody can kind of pick snippets from it. Um, so thanks for thanks I to you so. and Michelle for writing it. Um, I wanted to ask one last question, but I haven't prepped you for because that's the kind of okay. guy I am. Um, so uh, if you could go back to when you were like 17 or 18, the same age as my students and people listening. Okay. Oh, oh, I can tell you know what's coming, don't you? Um, no, you just... <laughs> but I, I'm, my brain is jumping and guessing. Um, okay. And if you could give yourself a piece of advice or you wish somebody had given you a piece of advice that you would have stuck oh. with and maybe took as your mantra and sellotaped it to students' heads, um, <laughs> you know, what, what would that advice be for, for younger Darcy? I think similar to what I said that I've learned through going through a lot of ups and downs in life, it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. It's going to work out. Um, part of that conversation I mentioned with my husband, I was asking him about cognitive behavior therapy. I was like, I feel like I need to do a little cognitive behavior therapy because I've been in a pretty negative mental cycle the last couple of weeks, like just right now in my life personally. And he and I talked through it. And it's the same kind of thing that when I was younger, though, I didn't have any tools for figuring that out. Um, It's going to work out. It's going to get better. Um, I know the future is very scary and there's a lot of places that it can go. Um, But I always tell my students, whatever you're going to do after this is so much better than high school. Like I was really scared to go to college and to go to university and to do that next stuff. Um, But it was so much better and it was scary and it was terrifying and I fell and I screw up, screwed up. And as my husband, we, as we were talking about this cognitive behavior therapy, he was like, well, what are you so worried about? And at one point in the conversation, I said, well, I guess I'm worried that unless I can like change and like be better, that I can be better, like our kids are going to get screwed up. And, and he was like, and what's the worst outcome that could happen? And I was like, well, they could end up like me because I'm in this negative mental space. Mm-hmm. And he looked at me and he goes, so a successful teacher and author who's married to a doctor and has three beautiful children and lives in a home. And, and it was, yeah, it was that slap in the face that I'm standing there crying because I'm just in this negative space. So I guess the second thing I would say, because I was not good at this and I'm kind of surprised um, and a little proud of myself for having the conversation with my husband find those allies, those people that you can always go to and that you can trust to confide in um, because you can't do it alone. I'm a very independent person and I always feel like, well, if I can't figure this out by myself, then I'm a failure and I can't do it. And, you know, my husband slapped me with some perspective (laughs) the other night and he's dead right. Um, and so find that person for, for you, not just your cheerleader. I think you need a couple people for perspective. You need your cheerleader, the person who is just always going to be like supportive to you and like caring and nurturing. And you do need that, that person like my husband, who's going to give you a little bit of that perspective, not in a mean way. He was very gracious when he said it to me, but I needed to hear that. Like, right. If I screw up my kids, what they're going to, 
become me and like that's a, a that's a bad that's thing, a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. but that's that's where my head was and so also if that is where you are at any point in your life you're not alone it's very normal um but you can work through that and i don't think you know in, in my early 40s i think i'm finding that mental health piece for myself uh more and more for the first time wow again i you know I, it's, it's uh, speechless. That doesn't happen very often, uh, <laughs> you know. But again, I, I feel like I'm resonating so much with what you're saying. You know, I'm mm-hmm. 41, and I'm going, oh my gosh, yeah, we've had that conversation. You know, <laughs> me and my wife. <laughs> yes. it's, uh, like I, I can imagine it's exactly the same conversation, other than like the details <laughs> yep. of how many kids and things. But great, I'm just like Stunning. some of those little things. Yeah, but you need you need that person, and yeah, I do. think if I, when I was 18, if I was 16, if I had reached out a few more times. Um, I would have, I got through those bumps in life. I've been talking about that this whole conversation. I got through them. I think I would have got through them with more joy and grace and um, just felt better if I, if I had done some of those things. So um, I'm a very introverted, independent person, um, but you need others as well. You do. You do. So, oh, brilliant. Okay. So, uh, Thank you. Uh, that's absolutely stunning. You know, thank you so much for your perspective um, on everything, really. You know, I can't I can't thank you enough for that. So where, where do we buy your book? Best place to buy it? Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, thought it might be. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, yeah. there we go. That's a nice quick answer, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> Darcy, thank you so much. Uh, what I'll do is I'll stop recording, stay on the line for a second, we'll say a quick cheerio. Um, but for now, okay. I'll just thank you for your advice and your insight into the teaching profession. No matter where you are in the world, it would seem they seem to apply. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch. But for now, thanks so much for talking business. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Darcy. Really appreciate you sharing your career journey with us there. What a ride it has been for you and also why it's so important for teachers to take control of their own personal development and really find that passion for what they are interested in and deliver that back to the students, which is the most important thing. So thank you so much, Darcy. And thanks to everybody for listening and watching. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, rate, review and do all those good things. I really appreciate it. You can find me on your social medias by having a look for Pardo's Business. And I look forward to seeing you again or having you listen to me again on Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Talking Business with me, Danny Pardo. I hope the advice and insights in this episode make a difference to you, your studies and your career. You can find more by searching for Pardo's Business, that's me by the way, on Google, YouTube and Instagram. I'm also at Pardo's Business on Twitter. If you like what you heard, please do take a moment to rate, review, share and subscribe to this podcast. It's all very much appreciated. We'll catch you again soon on the next episode of Talking Business with Danny Pardo. Thanks and cheerio!